All right, welcome to episode number four of the No Greater Joy podcast, brought to you by the pastors here at Grace Baptist Church, because we want for you what Jesus wants for you, and that is His joy, and that your joy would be full. And uh, we're convinced that there is no greater joy for the believer than to worship Jesus 24 hours a day, to be a 24-7 worshiper, being a go person, and being a longsider. And so I am Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace, and I have with me... Ryan Adkins, serving in the Timothy ministry. Andreas Bailey, the associate pastor here at Grace. That's right. And uh, tons of thanks to uh, and appreciation to Dan the Man Craniac, uh, making us sound better and seem smarter than we are. Facts. Appreciate you doing that. Thanks, Dan. So this, uh, this episode, thanks, Dan, this episode, we want to highlight um, being a go person. And so it's kind of a, a term that we use here at Grace to just simply talk about or to explain, uh, really, the fact that God has called us to go into the world and make disciples. And um, really, we're just talking about intentionally making and developing relationships with the purpose and the aim of persuading people with the gospel. And so when you think about an evangelist, when you think about being a go person, guys, um, who are some of the great go people in history maybe that you think about? I mean, right off the bat, I'm thinking about Billy Graham, Mm -hmm. Um, just the influence he had, not, not only as he was sharing the gospel with people, but also how he encouraged people to share the gospel. Yep. Uh, he did it both ways. So, yeah, definitely Billy Graham, Billy Sunday. Um, and I know it's e- it's easy for us to think about the evangelist aspect of it, like, oh, that dude, obviously he's an evangelist. He's, he's uh, doing evangelism. But I also think of some people in my family um, that I saw who shared the gospel consistently through the work that they were doing. Yep. So. Yep. What about you, Ryan? Who are some of the ones you think of? So uh, just personally, uh, Billy Sunday came to mind. Billy Graham obviously came to mind. Um, the... A fraternity brother of mine that pursued me um, with the gospel. Uh, his name is Matt Garvey, and he was consistent and just uh, wouldn't take no for an answer when it came to just come to a Bible study with me, come to a Bible study, you know, and just week week after week asking. And um, eventually, I said yes, and in a way, it was mostly just to get him to shut up. <laughs> but it was through Matt and another Matt that. Um, I've shared my story with you guys, but you know, it was through those two mats that uh, I came to a, a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and so I'm grateful that Matt Garvey had the gumption to just continuously to not give up and to be patient and to keep working on me and pursuing me. Yep, I think of, uh, of course, thought of just you know Billy Graham. Also thinking about Jim Elliot, mm-hmm. uh, just the you know the lengths that people would go to to be able to share the gospel. You know, you have people that just burned in their souls to to see other people come to know Christ. Mm-hmm. When you think about perhaps go people in the Bible, who do you think those who do you think of who comes to your mind when you think about go people in scripture as you're reading through it? For for me, I was thinking about um just obviously you have the disciples there at Pentecost, but kind of what was happening in the church, that new church, mm-hmm. you know, those first Guys who maybe served as deacons. I think of Philip and Stephen. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there they are serving, and just a boldness and a stand. We're, we're going to talk about Jesus. It cost Stephen his life, but Philip took it. He serving in, a, in the local church there in Jerusalem, and then going out. Who else do you guys think about? Uh, I tend to think about the Apostle Paul, yeah. the yep. fact that he was really focusing in on the the Gentiles and reaching those individuals that even some of uh, some of his brothers in Christ were like, ah, I don't know if you should do that, and yep. he was willing to do it and. And, uh, you know, he suffered at times for it as well. Mm-hmm. I think of Barnabas, not necessarily mm-hmm. as a, I don't think we necessarily see him as the guy sharing the faith all the time, but just that he's right there with Paul in so many of his journeys as oh, an encourager true. and just, mm-hmm. you know, probably more of an alongsider than a go person in a way. But I think that his <clears throat> alongsiding position with Paul really helped Paul to remain encouraged and and steadfast. Yeah, what I want to do for this, though, is maybe not look at any of those individuals. Do we think about Jesus as a go person? It was interesting as we were kind of getting ready for this. I was thinking about that. I was like, I don't typically think about, I think about Jesus as the one that people talk about. Obviously, we need to. He's the heart of the gospel. But thinking about Jesus as an example for us, perhaps the example for us, of what it means to be a go person. And so I think what what we want to do for this episode is just kind of take a look at three different conversations that Jesus has, three different interactions. We're going to look at the, the Samaritan woman, uh, the rich young ruler, and, uh, and Nicodemus. And I, just, I, th- I think there's some value for us to, and for our people just to be thinking about these interactions that Jesus has and uh, maybe just kind of pulling out from those interactions some some principles or some lessons of what it looks like for us to to be go people. And so we'll take some time and read through these different passages. So but uh, you know if you're listening and you have your Bible handy, I'd encourage you to to join us here. Uh, if you're driving on the road, getting mad at the person cutting you off, maybe don't pull out your Bible. You can just listen, but we'll read the scriptures for you. but um, but uh, so let's start with looking at Jesus, his interaction with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. Um, I'll just kind of, I'll start reading, and then uh, we'll work our way through the passage, maybe just kind of pulling out some observations and some principles for us. Uh, we're going to, John chapter 4, verses, it's really the bulk of the chapter, but um, we'll just kind of work away. I'll read the first six verses, we'll talk a little bit, and then we can go. So John chapter 4, verse 1, I'll read the, the first six verses. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing Uh, more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he uh, was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, or about noon. So I want to stop there. What I think there's some things even here I think that we can just kind of comment on. Yeah, I think John's really setting us up, giving us the context of what we're going to see and, um, you know, the, the geography of, of where Jesus and the disciples are, are passing and um, just really gives us some background with John the Baptist and that uh, the Pharisees have seen the success of, of the ministry and, um, you know, that now we've arrived at this town. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and even the fact that Jesus is is he's weary, he's thirsty, he's tired, he's he he he's he's coming in, and he's like in our minds, he's probably just exhausted. You know, he's probably done. Um, but we'll see that he even despite that he keeps pressing forward. That's right. There, there's even in our worst moments, we're tired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend to disengage. And here's Jesus. We, I mean, we know where this story's a familiar story. Yeah. We know he's going to engage with the gospel with this woman, but he's doing it when he's tired, when he's thirsty. Mm-hmm. I think a second thing to point out, and uh, I think Ryan, you mentioned it, he's kind of where he shouldn't be. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's in a cultural kind of taboo place for Samaritans and Jewish people. They just don't interact. <clears throat> and here Jesus specifically going up to Galilee, to the north area, could have taken a longer route, the normal route perhaps that he would have taken, but he specifically goes through an area where he shouldn't go, culturally shouldn't Mm -hmm. go. Um, And I think just those couple things that you guys have brought out already, just even when we're tired, not an excuse not to to be a go person. Yep. And sometimes we need to step into areas that culturally are no-nos and taboos. Let's keep reading. Chapter se- or 4, verse 7. And So he's there. He's at the well. It's about noon. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples have gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well's deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well. He drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water... That will give him, uh, that I will give him, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Yeah, what have so, we seen here? So in this section, we see right in the first verse Jesus making a request, Give me a drink. Mm-hmm. And just using that simple tool or that simple way of opening this conversation with this woman and just kind of getting the ball rolling, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we see him, that, you know, in dialogue with this woman who's a Samaritan. And we know that during this time, Samaritans were kind of looked down upon by the Jewish people. And so we were talking earlier about how, you know, this would have been like countercultural what Jesus was doing. The fact that he was even talking to this woman um, I think it, it shows us that we should be willing to talk to anyone. Yeah. doesn't matter what their race is. doesn't matter uh, the color of their skin. doesn't matter if they have tons of tattoos or, or what their job is. We should be willing to talk to anyone. Uh, and, he, and he gets into this dialogue with her. And Jewish people looked at Samaritans as half-breeds <laughs> because Samaritans were considered uh, what they considered to be descendants of Jacob. Jewish people didn't think they were. And so... You have all that going on. And Jesus, he takes a moment and he's like, you know what? I'm going to ask this girl for a drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's really a conversation 
that is really working its way to who Jesus yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Which, from the get go. From the get go, yeah. and I, I think that's also we need as a go person trying to get to conversations about Jesus. Yeah. A couple of the things that I was thinking about is um, so in that kind of trying to get to who Jesus is, she's like, are you greater than Jacob? <laughs> I can yeah. just picture Jesus there like, yeah. <laughs> bro, you, like, bro, you bit. don't even know. Yeah, you Hold don't on, know let who you're talking there. about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he's patient with that. Yes. You know, I think, yeah, he, you know, we, we want to yeah. like rush. Let me tell you, let me tell yeah. you. But he's just like, you know, I moving her in this conversation. Right. He, he saw her where she was at. That's right. right. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, he's using a real need. Yeah. And a real passion. Sure. Yep. You know, um, to kind of engage in this conversation, you know, she needed water. He needed water. And so he's using, you know, everyday needs and passions yeah. for an opportunity for the gospel. Um, and, I, and her response, I think, is, is great. Um, but living water, I want this water. Mm-hmm. But I think... What she's really wanting is not to have to come to this well. Right. Yeah, in the height of the, uh, height of the, the afternoon, height, yeah. hottest part of the day when no one else is there. Yep. yep. And, and we'll get to this here in a minute because um, Jesus kind of, well, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Any, anything else? No spoilers. Uh, with these, yes, I can't do that. Anything else <laughs> with this little section here that, yeah. I, that that's worth kind of kind of drawing yeah, out? Yeah, I mean, kind of going to what Ryan was saying. He was talking about how it's the hot, hottest part of the day. Uh, I, I was reading different commentaries, and they were basically saying the reason that she was going at that part of the day was because you know, she was just a person who was full of shame mm-hmm. or potentially embarrassed just because of her past uh, sins that people knew about her. So she didn't want to go when all the other women were going. Yep. She wanted to go when no one else was going. That's right. So she went at the hottest part of the day. And the fact that Jesus was there at the hottest part of the day, too, the correlation there is yep. really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. And just the fact that, and, and she even brings it out, listen, I, I'm a woman. Yeah. And, yeah, a, that's true. and a woman of Samaria. And yeah. so, again, these cultural taboos, which obviously we wouldn't, you know, yeah. uh, agree with. Yeah. But he was willing even to kind of step out. And I just think about what are, perhaps are some of the taboos culturally yeah. that we feel like Christians don't have a place to step into. Oh, public school is the first thing that come to, comes to my mind. I feel like people are like, oh, I got it back, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Or we don't feel like uh, we can step in and start yeah, a conversation about sure, Jesus. For mm-hmm. sure. Or I, I know as a, as a man, like I feel like it's way, I mean, obviously it's going to be easier for me to, to share the gospel with another man. Uh, but I don't even sometimes think about sharing the gospel like when, I, when I'm in around people with, mm-hmm. with, a, with a woman. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like for me, it's just like, oh, I'm going to share the gospel with this guy because he's a guy. And that's just how my mind works, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, I think, I think that... The gender barrier, yeah, the gender barrier, um, which we're kind of, I think, seeing somewhat dissolve in our culture. Oh, for sure. You know, like that's that's an area that I struggle to step into is, you know, hearing of someone's struggle and then how to, um, how to have patience like Christ does here with with this woman mm-hmm. and just kind of continuing that conversation. And I think that that patience. I think it's. I was reading a commentary and he said this wasn't a sales talk. Yeah. You know, and like it's I think so often it's we feel like we've got to rush to get to the gospel, mm. but we're not we're not building that relationship first as yeah. he does here. Yeah. And like it's, it's just 
you know, do we do we actually want to care for the person and build that relationship first, or are we just trying to hit them with the gospel and move on? Um, and so I think that's a lesson for all of us is just to be patient and to, you know, see where the person's at before you, you know, hit them with it. Yep. Yeah, listen. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Listen. Well, let's keep moving through here. I think we'll, uh, it really picks up, I think, and helpful for us here, mm-hmm. verse 16. So she's like, yeah, give me this water. So that I won't be thirsty, I don't have to come to this to draw well to draw water from this well again. And then in sixteen, Jesus says to her, and he really this is interesting. Jesus says to her, "Well, go call your husband and come here." And the woman answered him, "I have no husband." Jesus said to her, "You're right in saying I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true." And the woman said to him, "Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet." Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. What do we get here? I think it's pretty significant. It's kind of, Jesus is like, all right, so you want the living water, so you don't have to come draw well, draw water from this well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's get, let's get your husband. Like like what in the world yeah. does her husband have to do with getting water? And I think mm-hmm. it really goes back to Jesus bringing her to her real need. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want yeah. to go to the well yeah. when all the other women are going to the well, for the very reason that you said, she's full of shame, she has a reputation, she doesn't want to be there, and here's Mm. Jesus offering, hey, you don't have to deal with your shame, Mm. or or she's hearing him say that. I mean, I don't have to come to this well, I don't have to be reminded of my past, I don't have to deal with this anymore, and Jesus is really starting to, all right, well, that's not your biggest problem. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem is not your reputation and not wanting to deal with that. The biggest problem has to do really with your heart and begins to get into this conversation. He directs the conversation where her real need is. Mm-hmm. And I think a big lesson for us is, you know, it's very easy to present the gospel because we want to want people to... Uh, feel better about surface needs mm-hmm. rather than get to the heart of what of the, what the real need is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes me think of Ray Comfort and, you know, an evangelist, street evangelist in, in the UK. And, you know, he starts his conversations with, do you think you're a good person? And, um, and then he just walks through, essentially walks through the Ten Commandments. And by the time you hit that tenth one on the list, it's, now you really see that there is a need, and then he can, and then it's an opportunity to present the gospel and address those needs, yeah, um, what, versus what, just going straight into, 
do you think you're a good person? Well, no, you're not. And here's how, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of leads, you're leading the person to the water mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, convincing them that they need to drink versus just here, drink this. Yeah, and, and what she was wanting mm-hmm. was different than what Jesus was offering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Um, you know, and, and I think the church can do a disservice with the gospel when we just present the gospel as meeting what people are wanting. Yeah as opposed yeah, to what people are really, really needing. And Jesus, and I think that's the part of this whole conversation yeah. about worship. You know, you, you know, she's like, she right, right, went right into, well, you know, there's these differences in worship, who's right and wrong, and Jesus is like, yeah, you know, and he dealt with it. Yeah. You know, we know the Messiah is coming from Jerusalem, you know, but the point is not the difference in these religious, it's, yeah. it's the Messiah. Yeah. It's who Jesus is, and and um, anyway, any other thoughts then of kind of where this conversation's going? Yeah, well, I think about you talking and just about how you know it's different churches, different uh, organizations. Like they'll share the gospel, but they'll they'll do it in such a way like they worry about the person's need as like the main focus, mm-hmm. without forgetting about the heart, mm-hmm. which is the actual true focus. And really, what that is, that's a social gospel. Yeah, um, when it boils down to it, but. Something that I, I really gleaned from this part of the passage was the fact that obviously Jesus is all knowing, like He knows everything. But for us, like we can take out and an, uh, something where it's like, hey, maybe I should get to know this person or know something about them, um, where I kind of build into that conversation. Yeah, you know, and and Jesus is leading the conversation. Yeah, mm-hmm. to help with this, He's not yeah. telling her. Yeah, He's, He's helping her come yeah. to the realization. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and note she gets sidetracked a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's this moment where it's, you know, uh, you know, well, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and she goes on this like religious path. <clears throat> and so she has some background in religion. She knows of the Messiah. She knows Jacob. She knows all these different things. Um, but I thought it was Warren Wearsby. I was reading him last night and he said, you know, it's, it's more comfortable for us to discuss religion than to face our own sin. And I thought that was a really interesting point that I didn't really ever caught that or hadn't ever caught that and hadn't really thought about it that, you know, she's getting sidetracked by religion mm-hmm. and how easy it is, like you're saying, Dre, to get sidetracked uh, for felt needs or the current uh, want or desire. And when you approach someone with the gospel, they like to, well, what about this in the church? Well, what about this in the church? And it, it becomes this like fight of religion versus just seeing the true need and then addressing it. All right. Now, things kind of take a little pivot here in our passage. Um, the disciples, uh, we really, we've just kind of been told in passing that the disciples, had, um, they're, not, they're not there with him, um, that they had gone to get some food, I think, in verse 8. But here in verse 27, uh, so Jesus is there with the woman by himself, and they're talking, they're, we've got to this, and Jesus is like, listen, I'm the Messiah. And right as he's saying that, the disciples come back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman. <laughs> so we know what they're all thinking, because no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar, went away, and I think that's significant, and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? And they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. 
But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to him, to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white with for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and other reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. What are we seeing here? I, something that just jumped out to me as, a, as you were just reading, Steve, was where was she and where does she go? You know, she was in her shame at the well by herself, avoiding the townspeople. And at this moment, she leaves that water jar and she goes to those townspeople to share what she's just discovered, what mm-hmm. she's just learned. And like, I hadn't thought about that till just right at this moment. Like, wow, look at that. She's 180 degrees from where she was 15 verses ago, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. I think the more I think about this, I can't help but think, okay, wow, here's Jesus purposely going to this place for the woman Mm -hmm. and for, as we'll see, those in that town, but then also for his disciples. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they get back, they see him talking to this woman, they're like, what are you doing? (laughs) You know, they have these, their, their perspective on this is, totally the opposite of Jesus's. Number one, why are you talking to this woman? Like, what is it that he needs that would move him to talk to this woman? And then second of all, they're like, hey, we have food, eat. And he's like, no, I don't need physical food. And and I think it's so profound that here's Jesus telling these disciples, listen, I'm here because of that woman and those people in the town. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to her. And he's like, Lift up your eyes. Look. Look at the fields. It's ready. It's ready to be harvested with the gospel. And I, and I can't help but think that Jesus is really just, he's, he's in the conversation for the sake of this woman and her, her soul and salvation, but then also to teach these disciples a lesson to say, you know, we're not just going back to Galilee. Look at your sister. Lift up your eyes and look around and see the people that need the Messiah. You're so concerned about food. You're so concerned about uh, me eating something and why I'm talking to this woman that you're missing the real need in this situation. I think that's a huge lesson. Mm-hmm. We just live our lives like the disciples. Where we're, get, we're, we're meeting our needs. We're getting our food. We're stopping here. We're, and we're, we're like, why are you talking to this? You know, why? Rather than just seeing that it's time to harvest the field. Yeah. There are people all around us that we just miss. We don't see. Um, I, think, I think that's a huge lesson. I can't help but think that, you know, Jesus is like, wow, this woman gets it, but they're missing it. They're, they're just not, they're not getting it. Again? Again. I really, know. guys? Again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's not just a go person in the moment. He's an alongside her as well. That's right. Yeah. I think that's, Absolutely. A, that's another episode. Yeah, yeah, we got to stay tuned. We got to stay the gold persons. All right. <laughs> Anything else then, these verses, as we kind of come to the last section here? I just think what you're saying, Steve, where it's so easy for us to get 
focused. I know for myself in a conversation where I'm checked out of the conversation because I'm thinking of what else I have to do, what else is coming up or, you know, I'm just here for food, you know, and like Mm -hmm. were the disciples just there for snacks and it's just a pit stop along the the travel back. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and Jesus is, you know, like you're saying, get your eyes up, get your eyes off of yourself and look around you. And I think that's a, a, a huge lesson for us Mm -hmm. is just to, yeah, you may be hungry, but there's something more important than you getting your next meal you know and yeah, it's a good reminder to use every moment absolutely yeah. Yeah, and, and even underneath that is jesus saying my food mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah my food is to do the will of the father mm-hmm. you know and he's like what sustains him and what fuels him is not the physical food uh, you know he's like listen you know here's using water with the woman and now he's using food with these disciples and saying you're so concerned about eating. What fills me and satisfies me is doing what my father sent me here to do. And shame on the church when our food is uh, something else. Yep. Um, when it's also not to, to do the will of the Father and to see that the fields are ready for harvest. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's kind of wrap this passage up, next couple of verses. So here he is, Jesus is talking with his disciples, going on with this, and Many in verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me, uh, and this was her testimony, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. And after two days, he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen that all he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So as we kind of finish this up, we see what's happening in this town, uh, what's, what's good for us to notice and take away. That one can lead to many. That's right. Don't es- don't underestimate the impact that can have. In Absolutely. Yeah. Even a Samaritan woman, you know, in that culture, yep, still may- had that impact. Full of yeah. adultery and immorality. Yep. Look who God used to turn that town yeah. around. I think it's interesting. Also, I th- one of you noted on our notes here, the disciples were just in that town. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they came out of it with snacks. With snacks. <laughs> yeah. The woman goes into that town and comes out with believers. Yep. Yeah. You know, and those believers started because of her testimony, and then it changed from her testimony to their own testimony. Yeah. Um, I love how the crowd's like, "We don't just believe because you've told us, but we've seen it now." We've like, seen it. That's right. I like that. What a what a great pattern, mm-hmm. and I think a desire to prayer for us at church. Yeah. You know, to see. You know, a growing number of people that were like, "Well, I was here because, you know, because Dre and Ryan said mm-hmm. something." But now it's like I see it myself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, we want to see that over and over and over. All right. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts before we move on to Jesus's interaction with the the rich young ruler? All right, so let's move on. So the rich young ruler, Mark chapter ten. 
Which is 17 to 22. Yep, the rich young ruler. Uh, let's start in Mark chapter 10, verse 17. So if you have your Bibles, take take a moment and flip over there. If you're driving, like Pastor Steve said, <laughs> don't. 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 <laughs> and, and you know, it, try, try your best not to get upset at the person in front of you who's yeah. driving recklessly. It's not the time to say, Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that Carrie Underwood song. All right, so <laughs> verse 17, here we go. John, or, uh, Mark chapter 10. And it says, And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So we'll stop there. Yeah, I think first thing that comes to my mind is as he was setting out on his journey. Mm-hmm. you know, And so he's, again, I think this time he's going from maybe Jerusalem or Galilee down to Jerusalem, whereas with the Samaritan woman, he's going the other direction. But the first thing that jumped in my mind was the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in your going, make disciples. Yeah. And I love the fact, you know, here's Jesus, whereas the Samaritan woman, he's super intentional. He's there. He's going to wait and talk to her. Now he's just, all right, it's time to go. He's packing up, and then they're leaving, and somebody just runs up to him. And out of nowhere, it wasn't planned. Um. And he's going to engage this with, with this young man. And just, a, I think, a great example to us, in your going, in your normal daily routine, be ready for these opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, keeping that just in the forefront of our minds. That was the first thing that came to my mind. That, yeah. What else you guys? I don't know if, if it's me, but I feel like these are some, like, the, the timing of this isn't that great. You know what I mean? Like, he's on his, he's going, like, starting to go on this journey. Yeah. And, like, when I'm traveling... Like, when I go to the airport, like, somebody stops me, and I'm about to, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, I got to get to that airplane. I got to get on that bus. I got to, you know? But, like, he, he stops everything because he realized, obviously, Jesus realizes the importance of what's about to take yep. place, yep. Um, even for the even for this man. I think it's important that I was thinking about this. I was in the bank. Gosh, it's probably been two years ago now. And there was a woman there, and she was really upset about something that had happened. Mm-hmm. And she just went on and on and on with this teller, just ripping them up one side and down the other. And then they finally got it squared away. And it was just like that. And she said, oh, God bless you, and turned and walked away. And it was like, that doesn't add up. You know, Mm -hmm. like we need to live and conduct ourselves in a way that doesn't hinder the spread of the gospel or doesn't hinder our opportunity to spread the, to, to share the gospel with someone. Um, and it was just like, it, it was just one of those moments that it is stuck in my mind, seeing this woman just so upset. And then, like I said, just like a, someone flipped the switch and she got kind of what she wanted. She got the information she needed and just like that. And mm-hmm. just thinking that, like that, talking about that as you go, you know, in your going um, with the Great Commission, just always being ready and, uh, and, and living in a way that doesn't detract from what's truly should be occurring within us through the gospel. Yep. Every moment is attached to this calling as a go person mm-hmm. so that's true all right you guys have anything else or i'm good like to keep going all right let's keep going let's start in verse 18 it says and jesus said to him why do you call me good no one is good except god alone you know the commandments do not murder do not commit adultery do not steal do not bear false witness do not defraud honor your father and mother and he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Let's stop there. Yep. I think he's 
Jesus is pointing this guy to the law here. Mm-hmm. And I think he does it in a way that he's trying to show himself that he actually is a sinner. Yeah. And that external obedience doesn't add up to uh, the obedience of the heart. Mm. Um, and the example I thought of when I was thinking of this was, like, if I yell at, at the kids to go clean, the, clean their rooms or whatever, and they do so begrudgingly, you know, they're kind of not, they're not happy about it, but they'll get it done. Is that really what I was looking for? In a way, yes, I was looking for them to have a clean room, but at, at the same time, the willingness was also part of, you know, it's, it's not having the effect I wanted to have on their heart for them just to have a clean room, but to do it with an angry heart, you know? And so I think Jesus is, is showing this guy that you're lacking, you know, and he's addressing that lack. But, but I think we will see, like, he doesn't really see that still. No. He's still it, blinded. And it's interesting that Jesus is like, all right, here are the commitments. This is what you got to do. I think Jesus knows full well that the guy's going to say, oh, I've yeah. done it all. Yeah. yeah. But he's leading him to kind of really grasp you don't, mm-hmm. you know? And I, th- I think there's a, there's a real issue of self-sufficiency here that I'm, I'm you know, you kind of see in this young man, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I've done these things. And I think it's interesting in the section right before the one we're looking at, Jesus is confronting the disciples about the children. Let the little children come to me. Because it's uh, uh, for to such belongs the kingdom of God, you know the dependence of a child, as contrasted with the self sufficiency of this rich young ruler. And once again, Jesus is bringing to the surface the problem. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's important for us to, you know, be aware in people's lives that we are part of evangelizing, part of being a go person is in our talking with people, trying to bring to the surface in a way that they come to the conclusion, not like we're beating people over the head of, you know, look, you know, you're self-sufficient, you're lacking, you're lacking, you're lacking, but they begin to realize themselves, wow, I'm not as good as I thought I was. So Yeah. Yeah, kind of goes back to what Ryan was saying about the Ray Comfort stuff. He, go, he goes through it. Yeah. And eventually he reali- they realize, like, I'm not there. Not you know, there. I'm not good enough. And, yep. and uh, but they've they've realized it. Yes. You know. Yeah. It wasn't they were beat over the head with it. No. Right. Right. You yeah. know, it's, he led in the conversation yes. so that they yeah. came to that conclusion about themselves. For sure. Yep. I think yeah. that's important. Yeah. All right. I also I don't know, I, I also like what, what Ryan was talking about, like um he even typed it here, but Basically that, you know, we can't accumulate enough good works to overcome our separation from God due to our sin. You said that. Um, And I kind of thought about it like this. Simply being good enough will never be good enough. That's right. Like, Mm -hmm. we're never going to be good enough. You know, I I remember talking to a a lady at one of the the local businesses around here. And uh, we were talking, I was trying to share the gospel with her. I had built a relationship with her. And she simply was just like, ah, I'm good enough. It's all you know, it'll all work out in the end. I feel like I've lived a good life, and the reality is she hasn't, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so it's it's trying to, and I, I think for us here at Grace, especially in such a very prominent area here in Westlake, Ohio, that there are several people who uh, are within the Catholic uh, Church who believe simply that they are good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's 
us trying to come alongside them and, and, and point to the fact that none of us are. You know, I yeah, think I think it's a real that, issue within around here. For sure. You know, uh, yeah. there's, there's wealth, there's accomplishment. Yeah. And that mindset is probably a little more um, prolific than maybe we want to. Yeah. Yeah. Know. When material needs are met. Yeah. Some of the spiritual needs, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. go by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, it says he's a rich young man. A so. rich young man, <laughs> yes. yep. you know. But uh, all right, let's jump to verse 21, chapter 10, verse 21. It says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. I, the first thing that jumps out to me is Jesus loved him. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. Jesus knows his act. Je- Jesus knows his lack, the young man's lack, and you know he's not disgusted by him. He, you know he's not offended by him. Mm. He just he loves him. Yeah, because of his lack, he loves him. Mm. I, I think I don't know. I, I, we could go on do a whole podcast just about loving those that are lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he is genuinely moved. By love and compassion for a person who, wow, he's self-sufficient. He doesn't see his need. Mm. He's outside of Christ. He's needing of salvation, what Jesus can, what what Jesus offers, and he's like he's, he genuinely loves him. Yeah. And because he loves him, he tells him, what's he tell him to do? <laughs> he says, go sell everything. Yeah. Tells yeah. him the truth. That's right. Tells him the truth, and really that statement draws out. The real need. Yeah, it's yeah. a hard thing. Jesus, out of love, tells him to do a hard thing, mm-hmm. and reveals the truth about him. He puts him at a fork in the road. Yeah. You know, when he says, "Go do this and follow me," that that man now has a singular choice: Do I do what I've been instructed to do, or do I not? And unfortunately, we'll see. It doesn't bode well for him. You know, and yeah. he gets he he has this stumbling block block of what he's accumulated. Um, and we just, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. And he tells him to do something, to go sell everything, because yeah. maybe he's done the final six, ten commandments. Mm-hmm. He's done those things, but what he hasn't done are the first four. Yep. To yeah. love God with his whole heart, because he has another idol. Yeah. And it's his possessions. Yeah. It's his possessions that make him feel, I don't have a need. Yeah. I'm yeah. good. I'm okay I'm with God. Yeah. And Jesus is like, you know, you may have done the final six, ten commandments, even though the Beatitudes and the, the Sermon on the Mount probably mm-hmm. shows the rich. You know, Jesus doesn't go like, well, have you hated somebody? Okay, then you are a murderer. You know, he doesn't right. go there. Yeah, yeah. He just goes like, well, what you are trusting in, really your heart is, has, uh, is wrapped up in your possessions. Yeah. You love your money more than God. And, he, and Jesus isn't afraid to point that out. Mm-hmm. Because he loves, he has to point it out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's good. All right, you guys ready to jump to ready 20, to roll. verse 22? Let's finish this Here one. we go. Verse 22, it says, Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I think it's worth pointing out. The guy walked away from Jesus. Yeah. I think he's the only one that I can think of that 
when Jesus has specifically said, follow me, he didn't drop what he was, whatever it was, whether it was his nets or, mm-hmm. and follow. Yeah, come I th- follow I me. I think he's the only one, if I remember right, in scripture that doesn't answer that call. And it's sad. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think it's a good example for us that successful, being a successful go person yep. doesn't always lead to someone's conversion. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Not that we're encouraged. That's kind of, we're not to be encouraged, but also to realize that. Don't condemn a, yourself. That, well, yeah. a successful go person is going to have people that, no, no yeah. I love my idol. Yeah. And they walk away. Yeah. And, and we should, to some extent, expect that because Jesus, the Son of God, was even mm-hmm. turned down in that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're going to be turned down even more, you yep. know? Yep. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, it's also a good reminder that not everyone is going to respond in faith. Yep. So. Yep. It's, it's sad, go. Sad truth. You know, it's go, gospel outreach, yeah. not GC, gospel conversion. You <laughs> yeah. know, we're not asking you to yeah. be gospel converters. You got to reach people with the gospel, and then mm-hmm. let the Spirit do His work. And yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go on to third uh, third interaction that Jesus has, and it's back in John chapter three. Yep. So if you grab your Bibles, join us in John chapter three. We're going to be in starting in verse one. This might be my favorite chapter. All right. In the book of John. I expect you to have lots of good to say then. Oh, no. Being put on the spot right now. We'll find out. (laughs) All right. Verse 1, chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. All right, guys, right there, what do we see? Well, First thing that jumps out, obviously, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. Nicodemus is pursuing Jesus. I, yeah. I'm not convinced that because he's going at night is ashamed, because yeah. I think we yeah. see him having some boldness later on in the mm-hmm. book of John, in John's account. Um, but I, I, it's encouraging. When you think about the Pharisees, you just think about just their vehemence against Jesus. But here's a guy, even in that group, that is seeking after Jesus. Yeah. You know? And who are the people in our culture that are the most vehemently opposed to Jesus? Well, mm-hmm. you know what? Let's not write off the whole group. Yep. There's still people in those groups. They're asking questions. That's right. Yeah. And there's an opportunity even with those people. Yeah. I like the Nicodemus, I think, in, the, in this moment. He, he knows he's missing something. Yes. Like, he knows. That's why he's going to Jesus. Yeah. He knows there's this, this hole in his heart or this dissatisfaction that he needs something. You yeah, know, and he's willing to go do the that. Samaritan woman yeah, and the rich young ruler didn't realize their need. Yeah, yeah. And yet here's an opportunity. Yeah, here's a guy who realizes, he okay, realizes yeah, there's something, yeah. something missing. We know who you are, and mm-hmm. I think we shouldn't assume that just because somebody's religious, yeah. that they actually know the gospel. Yeah. Sure, you know, True. yes, that that, yeah. that religion leads to blind spots with our spirituality, sure, and yeah. that we need to yeah. um, just assume nothing. Yeah. And, you know, ask ask good questions that would lead to understanding where someone's at. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's true. All right, so continuing in verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Yeah, I, if I'm Nicodemus, I mean, obviously he, he, he has this like confusion whether it's actual birth <laughs> or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for us to be able to understand what it means to be born again spiritually, I think our society or the Christian culture, even society, has really cheapened the, those words born again. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know Ryan and I, we, we both kind of put, put together a definition where Ryan said it, it's being born f- from above. Yeah. Um, being born from above. And, uh, and I added, give a new life. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think some of us, we, we flippantly say, oh, oh, you're born again, you're born again. But it's like, do I know what that means, first of all? Do I understand the importance of it? You know? Yeah, I think, again, and this is one of those common themes in each of these encounters and conversations that Jesus has, is he... Here he's more direct. Yeah. But he's sure. directing attention to the real need. Yeah. Not the surface needs, but the real need at the heart. And the here heart with Nicodemus yeah. is listen, he doesn't talk of describe it here, but you're dead. Yeah. You have to be yeah. reborn. There's no yeah. life in you. Of course, and you know, Paul would explain that in Romans, um, you know, chapters one through three. But it, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't stay on the surface, you know, having a great life and, you know, are you missing purpose in life? Are you missing the, you know, he's getting to the heart. Listen, you need Jesus. You know, you are spiritually dead. You are lacking yeah. um, and you need spiritual life. You're separated from God. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it's not necessarily written in here, uh, but if you look at uh, in verse 7, you know, Jesus responds kind of must maybe a facial expression, you know, do not marvel that I said to you, like what was Nicodemus's reaction physically, Yeah. you know, as Jesus is telling him he needs to be born again and he's trying to figure out, okay, how does that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just thought it was an interesting, had never really thought of it uh, until last night. So, all right, so let's pick up in verse nine. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who is, sorry, he who descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I love how, you know, not that I love how this is, but I think it's, you know, clear. Nicodemus is like, how can these things be? It just shows that a very religious person uh, can miss the heart of the gospel, whether, whether that religious person is at grace or any other like-minded church, yeah. or any other uh, 
religion. You can, you know, Nicodemus knew the Old Testament inside and out, and he missed it. Yep. Yeah. He missed it. And don't, we can't assume things about people. Oh, you, you've gone to a Baptist church the rest of your whole life, or you've been a part of church. You know, let's not just assume, because you can be a part of all of that and miss the heart of the gospel. <laughs> Shame on us as pastors here at Grace if there's people like Grace that miss the heart of the gospel because yep. we haven't hammered it home. Yeah, I uh, I like how he kind of engages him uh, with what where his needs are. Mm-hmm. You know, he engages him um, with where his needs are, and I think sometimes we tend to overthink sharing the gospel message, uh, but Jesus mm-hmm. is pretty clear uh, as he shares the gospel with Nicodemus. Yep, and you know Jesus brings up the serpent in the wilderness on purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think to illustrate for Nicodemus. I think a couple things we've mentioned already, Nicodemus's need, yeah, because the serpent in the wilderness, the, Israel, the Israelites, I think it's Numbers 21, I think is what Jesus mm-hmm. refers to, um, you know, they were grumbling and complaining, and God sent serpents, they were biting, and people were dying, and it was people, and the way that they would get life is in their death, looking. Yeah. All they had to do was look. Mm. And really what it was, it was an expression of faith. God said, this is what I need to do. I'm doing it. And then they got life. And, I, you know, um, and then again, getting to the heart of Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actions and obeying. It was, listen, understand your, the position and the condition that you're in. You're dying like those Israelites. And just as that serpent had to be lifted up, the Son of Man has to be lifted up. And, of course, Jesus talking about himself. Yep. And it's... Just as those people looked to that serpent for life, people have to look to Jesus for life. Um, very simple explanation of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and I, I think being a go person is someone who's going to, you have to explain the gospel. Yeah. Of what Jesus is and what is, what is saving faith. It's trusting and what has been provided for you as being sufficient in all that's needed. Yep, absolutely. So let's bring this passage home back to verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What a great passage. Yep. God loves the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Christ could have come into the world at that moment to judge and, you know, destroy, but he doesn't. You know, he comes in love and he comes as our Savior uh, and not just for the people of Israel either. Not just for, but for the whole world. Yeah, we have all elements of the gospel here. Uh, The death of mankind, the sinful condition, the fact that condemned already, and you have looking, this idea of the serpent in the wilderness, uh, whoever believes in him, Mm -hmm. this idea of looking to, trusting in, resting in, depending on 
what has been provided and given to mankind by God, his only son. You have Jesus. The only way. The only way. It is only through him. And you have the gift of eternal life through Jesus. Um, you know, let, we being a good go person is someone who's going to clearly present the gospel and know those kind of key elements mm-hmm. in the gospel. And at, for all we know, Nicodemus came to Christ there, trusted at least to begin that process because we see him defending Jesus in John chapter 7, and we see him there at Jesus' burial honoring Jesus and preparing him with quite a bit of spices for his burial. Uh, I think that's in chapter 19. Mm. So as we kind of summarize Jesus with the the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, the rich young ruler, um, so if we kind of wrap this up, what would be some kind of summary points that you would want everybody here at Grace, whoever's listening, of uh, what it means to be a go person? What, are, what would be some summary yeah. summary lessons? I think three things, just be ready in and out of season mm-hmm. uh, to share the gospel in whatever environment you're in, whatever situation you're in. Uh, secondly, if you get turned down, don't be discouraged. Even Jesus, the Son of God, was turned down while sharing the gospel. And I think lastly, uh, remember why you're doing it. Yeah. You know, why are you sharing the gospel? Remind yourself that frequently. Um, if you feel like you struggle at sharing the gospel, remember that you came to faith through the gospel. Somebody sharing someone sharing it with you. So you know what the gospel is. Yeah. Um, and so just share that with other people. Yep. Brian, what would you say? I would just add to that, be patient. You yeah, know, that, that don't yeah. be discouraged and, you know, build relationships and... Um, what we have to share with people isn't something we just want to beat them over the head with, mm-hmm. yeah. but we want to truly, ex- you know, extend it to them with an open hand. And you know, this is this is it. You know, this is what what you're looking for. I think one of the things that resonate with me, especially with the 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 woman at the well, that Samaritan woman, is to, with the with the disciples. Mm. Look up, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Look up and see. Um, there is a harvest in, f- in every one of our lives. The, the fields around us are full of people. Yeah. No matter where we are, look up and see the harvest. It's ready. And uh, sometimes we're sowing, sometimes we're reaping. Um, you know, lift your head up, get your head out of the everyday normal routine that you're going through and see, see people as opportunities with the gospel. Uh, that resonates really uh, loudly with me. I think also with, um, with, with all three of these, keep directing conversations to the real needs. You know, don't get stuck in, uh, don't end with the, the felt needs that are there and how Jesus can meet those. Get down to the real to the real central need of uh, spiritual life that is needed um, and in the gospel. And then uh, I think the lastly is uh, it's got to come down to who Jesus is. Don't be ashamed and afraid, whether it's a religious person or someone in a group that's taboo. Um, uh, Don't be afraid to bring up Jesus. It's got to come down to who Jesus is. So. Use your words. Use your words. So, all right. And, and all of this discussion is we are fully convinced that, um, and it, it breaks my heart 
for my own self, for me, for others, is that we don't step into this area um, and we, we settle for less joy than all that Jesus has for us because there is no greater joy for the That's believer right. to be able to sit across from someone, stand across someone that they care about and love, and to see them come to know Jesus Christ. Step into right. that. And um, anyway, don't, don't settle. So, all right, I think that's it for episode four. Well done, guys. God bless. Thanks for listening. Thank you.